Welcome everyone again to the Money Mentors Podcast. My name is Glenn Fairburn and I'm joined as always uh, by Nathan Lear, my co-host. Um, last week we had a look at 2019, so we spoke about a number of the main things that happened throughout the year. So obviously spoke about the election, the, share, the strong share market performance in Australia and the US, the property market and a number of the geopolitical events that impacted the market. Um, so this week we're bringing out our crystal balls and having a bit of a forward look into what we think might happen in, in 2020. Always a tough task, but we'll, we'll do our best to um, guesstimate as, as, as close as we can. Um, so welcome this week, Nathan, again. Thanks, Len. Good How, to be here. How's the uh, first couple of weeks been back at it's, work after a bit of a break? It's been a bit busier than I would have liked, but um, no, it's been, it's been good. Like, had a, had three weeks off, so feel nice and refreshed. So, but you hit the ground running, don't you? You kind yeah, of just get back straight into it like, like you never stopped. It all ramps up pretty quickly. That's but then it. I suppose as you know, we're very lucky in Australia, we've got another public holiday coming up. That's it. So the moment you get started, you get another break again. Um, it's, so, it's, a, it's a good time to be in Melbourne with a lot of sport going on. A lot of Oz yeah, Open started this week and you know, there's a lot of cricket going on and no, yeah. it's great. Yeah. No doubt, it's probably the best city in the world to be in at this time of the year. Um, so look, I suppose, I'm not sure where quite to start. We've got a few things that we want to have a bit of a chat about. Um, as to what might happen throughout the course do, of this year. Do we want to just start by, as always, reiterating uh, somewhat of a disclaimer that, you know, we, we're going to... So we've got perhaps, no idea, basically. We've got no idea. No. <laughs> we're going to come out with a few predictions today, but, you know, generally speaking, you know, we, in terms of investing anyway, we build long-term long focused, diversified portfolios because we've admitted a few times on this podcast um, not many so-called experts get these predictions right, but yeah. we think it's just a good, you know, leading into 2020, just a good discussion to have some of the things that might play out, some of the key themes to, to watch out yeah, for. Yeah, and a little bit of fun. I suppose a lot of our clients who are listening to this, they'll be thinking, well, you're always telling me not to try and pick these things and here you are trying to talk about what, what might happen. So look, we're, we're just looking at some of the key events and having a bit of a guess, to be honest, because as you said, Nathan, we've really got no idea and there's going to be things that will happen throughout this year that we've got no idea that lie ahead. Um, so I suppose just to start, um, one of the key things that does drive a lot of the market and does impact economic growth quite considerably is interest rates. Um, we saw a number of rate cuts last year, which were a bit of a surprise on the back of increases throughout 2018. So the cash rate in Australia is currently sitting at 75 basis points, 0.75%. Um, and a lot of what the RBA has been trying to do is obviously trying to stimulate the the local economy. Um, so where, where do we think that might track for, for this year? Is there more rate cuts on the horizon? Will rates start to rise? Um, what, what do you think is going to happen? I look, I think that the easy thing to, to say, which I'm probably leaning towards is, yeah, is downward pressure on interest rates. So, um, you know, at least, at least one cut, perhaps even, even two cuts. I, I don't think the reserve bank will, will mess around. Like they'll, if they make the call that they're going to cut, I think it'll probably be earlier in the year rather than later yeah. in the year. It's yeah. probably where I'm thinking at the moment. Yeah, I think a lot of what they'll be looking at, as always, will be the unemployment rate, which, which was okay towards the back end of last year, but we, we haven't seen a lot of jobs growth or, or wage growth um, and inflation. So they, they've obviously got their target around inflation. If inflation comes out low earlier in the new year and, and the jobs market is relatively benign or weak i think that's where we as you, i mean i agree i think there might be another rate cut pretty early on um but i'm, I'm sure we've spoken about this in the past but the, the struggle with rate cuts is that the the impact on the economy as they continue to cut is less and less isn't it because generally when there's rate cuts people bring forward expenditure so if you think about rate cut you know, where, where rates were a few years ago 
as they start to fall, well, you, you sort of think personally, you just if you look at your own household budget, well, maybe I was deferring that car purchase. Interest rates are pretty small or pretty low at the moment, so I'll bring forward that expenditure. But as rate cuts continue to get made and rates fall from, as we've seen, you know, 7% now to, down to 0.75%, there's only so much expenditure you, you can bring forward. So that's why the impact of these rates cuts hasn't been as substantial as perhaps what they were earlier. Um, and I think the RBAs may be looking to the government to provide a bit of fiscal stimulus, stimulus as well. So there has been some discussion that, um, that the government may bring forward some of those tax cuts. So that may be viewed as another way to, to stimulate the economy. Um, how many rate cuts would you think? That, will, will, can they go to zero? Can they go below uh, 0.5 or 50 basis points? Oh, look, definitely I think they can go below 0.5%. I think that's a probably more likely than not likely. Um, I mean, we spoke about on a podcast last year. I mean, it can't even go to to you know quantitative easing uh, after that. You know, printing money similar to what the the US did did some time ago. Um, I think the other thing you mentioned before unemployment and uh, inflation targets, which will which will rightfully so will drive interest rates. I think the other thing that that the Reserve Bank will be keeping a close eye on is the the, the growth because growth did did yeah. slow last year, and you know we're um, I think a little bit under two percent. In terms of our uh, GDP in Australia, um, what and, and also with the um, you know the, the the bushfire impact, that's supposedly going to slice a bit off off growth or GDP for the year. Early so in the, in, early in the year, yeah, yeah. So I think there's a couple of uh, things, yeah, pointing yeah, towards the cuts. Yeah, and look, there may be a few headwinds. There may be things that we don't know, but I think fair to say that we both agree that there's probably going to be a rate cut early in the year, in the new year. Yep. So, so the, maybe yeah, they, down to point five, and then we'll see how things go. So they meet in Feb. The first meeting will be in, in Feb, February. Who knows whether it's February, March, whatever it might be. But yeah, I think probably early in the year we'll see one. Okay, so mm. Money Mentors uh, agreeing <laughs> on a 25 basis point we'll rate see. cut in the early in the year. Don't, don't, uh, don't, don't hold, hold us to us that. <laughs> what about um, on, on the global front? I mean, obviously, there's a bit of disparity with how our economy is going versus a lot of other um, economies around the world. The US is going pretty strong. There has been some suggestion that they may even be looking at ra- raising rates later in the year. Is, mm. is that sort of a fair assumption to make? Yeah, yeah. look, it's a, it's a, it's a hard one globally. Probably depends on the election, which we'll have a chat about, but the mm. US election coming up later in the year, they might put things on hold. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not so sure. I don't really have a, a clear view on, on global, like say US rates. Yeah. Um, what do, do you have a... A view there, or well, I think the economy there is going really, really strong. I mean, coming into yeah. an election, who knows what may happen leading up to that? There's a few geopolitical things that we'll perhaps chat about later if we're looking at the risks in 2019. So the consensus um, is that growth, growth may tick up a little bit in 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 the US and globally. Yeah, I mean, the unemployment rate is, is quite low. It's probably lower than where we are at the moment. Um, so look, from from my perspective, I don't think it's going to be cut anytime soon, mm. but I would make a prediction that the next uh, move in the US is probably up very, sure. very slowly. Sure. Um, so moving on from from interest rates, just looking at perhaps the share market and, and let's just focus on the Australian share market for now. Obviously had a very strong year last year, which was on the back of a, of, of a, um, a fall in the market in 2018. So the market fell about 4% in 2018 um, and then we had a very strong return last year um how are we positioned this year do you think it's going to be a flat year Mm. we're going to have this massive correction that people have been calling for for years or is it going to continue to roll on as it did last year 
Yeah, it's, it's always, I mean, we, we talk about this, it's always so hard to make year-to-year predictions, isn't it? Um, oh, look, when I think about answering that, I, I try to put the long-term lens on, the long-term hat on and, and you know, what's been happening over the past, you know, 10 years. And, and look, really, we have been in a bull market for 10 yeah. years. Um, so inevitably, there'll be a pullback, correction, whatever you want to call it at some point whether that's going to be 2020, 2021, 2022, I find that hard to, to make a call on when. Yeah. Um, what's going to be the catalyst that's going to spook the market? You know, is it going to be something to do with uh, you know, trade war, tensions escalating, you know, the US presidential election? I, I, I don't know. Um, so look, if I'm going to make a call for the sake of making a call, I think this year, me, this year we, we may just you know, peter along and get... Um, I don't know, under 5 to 10%, something like that, where the market just does its thing, hopefully grows a little bit. Um, but would I be surprised if there was a, you know, a bit of a spook in the market? Not at all. Okay. Um, I'm not suggesting that looking into the past is a great indicator to predict the future, but it's got a few stats here. Um, so just looking at the, this is the Ordinary's Accumulation Index performance over the last 40 years and only once over the last 40 years has a negative market return been followed up by another negative return. So for example, back in 1981, the market fell just under 13% and then 82, we we had a a follow-up fall was down 14%. So that was 81, 82. Every time we've had a market correction from that point, there's been at least two years of growth after that. So if history repeats itself, what what the stats are saying is that because we had a fall in 2008, sorry, 2018, obviously last year was a strong year, based on historical data, we should have a positive return this year. So the last time outside of 2018 we had a market correction was 2011. So the market fell 11.4%. Since then, we actually had uh, six years of positive return. So it was just under 19% in 2012 and just under 20% in 2013. And we continue to have positive returns in 14, 15, 16, and 17. The big correction before that was obviously the GFC. So 2008, where the market fell 40%. And then we had two years after that where the market was up 40% and then up 3.3%. So history sort of leaning towards it. We may have a continued positive uh, movement in the share market as to how much that will be, unknown. Another interesting fact is in relation to the US election. Now, would it be fair to say, Nathan, that our market generally follows the trend of the US market? Yes. It's not 100% correlated, but it's usually a pretty good indicator. So since 1952, the Dow Jones has climbed 10% on average during election years. So, and I think it's pretty similar in Australia as well. Yes. I think we spoke about this in the lead up to to the Australian election last year. So what that's suggesting is that during the year of a, um, of a US election, regardless of, on who gets in um, or who's in power, the market goes up. Yep. Um, so that's when the sitting... Pre- actually, that, that stat from 1952 is when the sitting president is running for re-election. So that's happening this year with Trump running for re-election. So regardless on who wins, um, history suggests over you know, 70 years almost that the market on average goes up by 10% during an election year. So look, just some interesting stats. Once again, don't hold us to this. We're not suggesting the market's guaranteed to go up this year. But if you look at the historical trend, one with the US election, 
two with the market correction in 2018, then it's sort of those those facts really weigh in the favour of potentially a positive market return this year. Perhaps there you go. Yeah, maybe Some food, food food for thought, isn't it? We're optimists, I suppose. With the, so, what, uh, what do you what, what's your how do you surmise all that then? What do you what put it well, on the line? What do you think? All I'm doing is leaning towards the stats, and if that's as we did last year when we spoke about every market correction generally followed by a recovery over a long, mm. long period of time, then if we're leaning on the stats now and looking in the in the revision mirror, I'd be suggesting the market goes up this year. As to how much it is, it's anyone's guess. I mean. You, Sort of the pessimist in you says that, look, it was 20% last year, so it's not going to be as strong yeah. this year. But having said that, the last time we had a return pretty similar to that level was 2012 when the market was up almost 19 and in 2013 it went up almost 20%. Um, I know the valuations are pretty stretched at the moment, so I think the market will be looking very closely at earnings growth within companies, um, which hasn't been that great. But if interest rates stay low, as... Or go go down. Yeah, they go, go down further. a couple more a couple more cuts. It, it could have a, There could be another strong year. That's right. That's what fueled last year's increases. So yeah. it could happen again. Because if yeah. and and the reason for that for our listeners is that as rates go down, that risk free rate goes down as well. So people sort of are sitting on cash and saying, "Well, I'm only getting 0.5 percent on my money here. Maybe I'm now prepared to take a little bit more risk and invest in things like shares and properties." So that's really what's pushing up those asset values. And al- and although valuations, you know, appear stretched, it's a bit of a different landscape with interest yeah. rates at these historical that's lows. Right. Yeah. The expensive 10 years ago, maybe that's not expensive now. It's it's changing a little bit because interest rates. And that's where do you think because uh, I suppose a common measure for the valuations in the share market is price to earnings value, isn't it? Sure. So the the price of a company relative to its earnings each year. Um, and I think a, an appropriate measure is usually that sort of 14 to 15. So basically saying that 14 to 15 years of earnings to get your money back based on the earnings of the, of the company. Um, but now they've been stretched a little bit higher than that. But I think you're right. Like if interest rates are high, then you're probably not prepared to pay more for a, a stock and get a 3 4% income return if interest rates are like 6 7% because you're saying, well, why would I pay more for a stock if I can get a similar cash return from fixed interest or bonds or what have you, but with rates falling, that disparity just increases, doesn't it? So people, as you were saying, maybe looking at historical price to earnings values isn't an appropriate measure of value right perhaps. now. Yeah, so perhaps. Time will tell, I suppose, but what, what's your view? Up, down, flat? On the market. On the market. Oh, as I said before, yeah, maybe 5 to 10% up. Okay. Uh, moving on to house prices, always a very, very strong... I suppose, uh, barbecue discussion in Australia. Everyone's always talking about house values and so forth. We've had a very strong market in Melbourne and Sydney in particular for a long, long period of time, fueled by those low interest rates, you know, pretty strong economic conditions, um, population growth. We did have a, a bit of a correction throughout, I suppose, the, the latter part of 2018. There was a few doomsdays saying that the market may look at a crash, but we did see a pretty strong recovery at the back end of, of 2019, um, where do we think, or where do you think that's headed this year? Probably similar theme to what we're talking about, the share market. I think the the, the interest rate story playing out a little bit, if yeah. you know, still still quite low, may, maybe a little bit downward pressure, should keep that the demand for, for property quite strong. Um, I'll, I'll, probably, I'll probably think we'll see the same trajectory that we've seen over 
probably the last half of last year. Just whether it keeps going at accelerated mm. levels, I'm not so sure. But I think, yeah, in particular, the Melbourne and Sydney re- recovery that we've had, I think we'll probably continue to see that into this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think as as we always have spoken about, a key driver is going to be interest rates. But it's it's also important, I suppose, to highlight the the um, the disparity in pro- property price. Like we're talking about nationwide growth here, but I suppose having that Melbourne bias, we're probably more focused on Melbourne, Sydney, aren't we, as, as a general market recovery? Because there are going to be areas that I suppose are going to struggle, like the Perth property market has mm. experienced substantial downturns throughout the you know the downturn in the glo- in the um, mining boom and so forth has impacted their market um, and other cities around Australia probably haven't had as strong a growth as what Sydney and Melbourne have had but look on average um, I suppose fueled by continued low interest rates population growth fair to say that we're expecting that market to probably not be as strong as what it was recovering from a low point last year but still fairly moderate yeah yeah look I think I think it'll probably just continue from from it's a it's a slower turning beast the property market yeah. um so it's not like the share market where you know it just happens really quickly so it's a bit more of a slower moving market so yeah uh, and look often we talk about melbourne and sydney because i mean they are the the two biggest markets by by far so it's a it's a big the australian property market is there's a lot of moving parts to it there's you know many states and territories and even within that there's other subsectors but um yeah i think as i said before maybe continue a bit of an upwards movement yeah, and look, with interest rates very low, the affordability is, is, is pretty strong. Um, so, I mean, I personally think that until we start seeing increases in interest rates, um, there's not going to be too much pressure on the property market. Um, what about the global economy? I mean, we're, we're, not, we're not economists. We're not going to suggest that we are, but as, as a general view as to how the global economy is going, we spent a little bit of time talking about the Australian economy when we're focusing on interest rates. Um, there were a few risks in the global economy last year. What's the general feel around how the global economy is performing or is going to perform in, in 2020? We tend to jump to the US because it's such a big big part of the global market. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, was, I think before we, we started the podcast, we, we spoke about that the, the US market has been, has been going okay. Um, I think the, one of the, the the big risks for the U.S. growth was was trade wars really escalating, mm. um, but I think with the U.S. election uh, coming up, you know, Trump doesn't want to do anything silly there. Mm. So I, I think, and you know, we've already seen it's 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 eased off a little bit um, at the start of this year. Um, so I think I think we'll probably see U.S. Glo- growth and, and and global growth uh, a little bit stronger this year from perhaps where it was last year. If I'm making a call. Yeah, and I think we, we can't talk about the global economy without talking about some of the risks that we might encounter throughout the course of this year. I think, um, as you were talking about, the the um, the ongoing trade tensions or trade discussion between China and US, I think that will be a continued theme throughout this year. Obviously, they've agreed on on phase one, which will see um, China increase um, imports from the, from the US, a bit of a relaxation on some of the tariffs that were introduced and a little bit more regulation around um, some of the intellectual property issues that, that were quite apparent. So I, I think it's a, it's a good sign that there, there are some agreements around that. I tend to agree with you. I don't think there's going to be anything too drastic in an election year, but maybe those ongoing trade discussions continue throughout the course of this year and, and may present a little bit of risk for markets and maybe 
a little bit of anxiety. So, but I think that's that's a main one. But as we've seen in the end, we have got some compromise. Um, so you'd hope that they're able to continue to, to deliver those compromises, and it and it helps the, the global economy. Um, as far as I suppose any other threat to just, growth, just on, just on oh yeah, growth. No. I, I don't think. I mean, some people are talking about recession, you know, p- potential recession globally or the US, yeah. whatever it might be. I don't think there's. I don't think I'm. I'm not probably not convinced that there'll be a recession based on what's happening at the moment. No. So usually, no, not, you know, not in the US anyway. It doesn't seem that way. Yeah. Usually, there's certain things that happen um, be, before a recession. Um, you know, whether it's like high inflation or really strong growth and there's you know, maybe going to be a pull, pullback or slowdown yeah. of that growth. But yeah. I just, probably nothing jumping out at me that points towards a, a recession. Yeah. Look, just some of the other risks, I've just made note of a couple of things which were probably are probably fairly new things, maybe events that were occurring at the back end of last year, early this year, um, that tend to impact markets. Any further escalation in tensions in the Middle East, I mean, they seem to have um, sort of tapered in the last week or so, but there's always the risk that um, any tension, whether it's in the Middle East or anywhere in the world, can impact confidence in the market, um, whether that impacts oil prices, which therefore flow into other segments of the economy. So that that'll be one thing to keep an eye on. And as we're saying, closer to home, the impact of the bushfires, that's probably going to be more so in the early part of this year, but that may be an impact um, on, our, on our local economy. Can you, can you think of anything else that's happening around the world? Obviously, Brexit's another mm. key one that it'll play out throughout this year um but i think you know as we said earlier there's going to be something that will happen that we've got no idea um so it's it's it's, mm. it's very difficult to predict to predict um geopolitical risks early in the year isn't there yeah yeah like no one probably saw saw the hong kong thing coming at the start of last year so there, there could be something like that, that 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 comes out of left field yeah is there anything else that you want i mean we've spoken about interest rates share market um, property prices and the global economy as, as a whole and, and, and had a brief discussion about some of the potential risks for, for the economy and for markets. Was there anything else that you wanted to bring up, Nathan, as um, far as what may happen or what we think uh, often we to look out for? Often we talk about the, the, the Aussie dollar. People like talking about the Aussie dollar and uh, if, if the Reserve Bank does ease interest rates or cut interest rates, Likely, that's going to head head down a little bit further, head south. Yeah. So, uh, wouldn't be wouldn't be surprised if that falls to the maybe the mid sixties or the I think we're close to seventy at the moment, seventy cents at the moment, maybe mid sixties. Um, well, I guess that's another thing to to, to look out yeah, for. Absolutely. Well, look on that note, maybe we'll, we'll wrap it up there. As we said earlier, all we're doing is just trying to have a general discussion around some of the key issues within the economy and within markets. Um, as always, it's best to have a long-term strategy, stick to that um, and, and speak to your advisor as markets move. Um, it's, it's never a good idea to panic and, and, and be reactive when you're investing or managing a portfolio. Um, so don't, don't be too concerned about short-term issues within the market um, and always stick to that long-term strategy. So look, on that note, we'll, we'll wrap it up there and we hope you enjoyed the podcast um, and please uh, li- li- look out for next week's episode.